There are fewer than 30 men in the world qualified to drive Formula One. A mere half dozen, perhaps, to win. At this moment, I'm inclined to think you're not one of them. This is Desiree for F1Weekly.com. I'm your in-depth correspondent. Let's go. Welcome to F1Weekly.com. My name is Clark Rogers. I'm the host of the program. I'll be joined by Nasser Hamid, my co-host. This is podcast number 963, October 31st, 2022, Nasser. Buenos dias, amigo. I say move over Shumi and Seb. We have a new El Jefe in town. It's a new track record. And the sky is falling. We shall explain gladly. Back to Mr. Rogers, Don Pedro of Podcasting. Thank you, Nasser. On today's program, Max Domination continues. Sky Sports changes their name to LCH TV. Ricciardo uses finger gun on Ocon, and Danica leaves her pants on the track. Ferrari unveil a new Le Mans hypercar that is beautiful. And just a reminder, we need your contributions. Keep this program up on the cloud. Just click on the support F1 weekly tab to the left of the front page. You know you want to. Nass, welcome to the studio. What are you thinking? I am thinking two more Formula One races, and then I'm thinking preseason testing, and then I'm thinking more motor racing in 2023. Uh, very, very excited. What are you thinking? Well, I know what you're thinking, Mr. Rogers. Before we get into the quickie and nitty gritty of the Grand Premio, let's talk about, let's talk further about your French fantasy. Senorita Danica Patrick has been on the ZZ Top program last two races. She's got legs. She knows how to use them. What say you? Well, I was very impressed with the ensemble that she was wearing. Well, it was missing a few parts, but by golly, I know one thing. Even Jimmy Durante thought it was wonderful. And that's when I have to say, ha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha. Exactly. That w- that's what I was thinking when I saw that. And I said, hmm, Clark Rogers is happy. There can, be, there can be days when Nando is not winning, but Danica can make up for it. Absolutely, Nasser. Danica did a good job. I liked it. It was finally, and in Mexico, it's more like Europe where women can flaunt their machismo-ness. Uh, it was awesome. So, in other words, Danica can put on some hot laps for you. That's good. It's all. I, I would be the second Rogers. Oh yes. Uh, oh, I, my apologies to Aaron. He's been there. Okay, sir. Your take on the motor race. Once the race started, and without Ricciardo, and of course without Fernando Antics, it's a pretty boring race, except for Gasly freaking out everywhere and Sonoda going, "What was that?" But come on, folks, that, that was a boring race. There was no machismo accidents or, or big safety car moments so LCH could pull in at the right time where it's all set up in sequence and Toto could go, yay! No, none of that. It was full-blown domination by one guy who apparently is very good at managing these really crappy Pirellis. You mean a new lucky guy in town? <laughs> Man, it's coming on strong. Yes, sir. Big wheel keep on spinning. Proud Max keep on rolling. 14 wins in a season, which is not even over. And of course, new track record. One more than two German giants. Michael Schubacher and Sebastian Vettel. And you were right. Pierre Gasly is freaking out. We'll talk about it later. 
This is the downing of the age of Uber domination by Max on the wings of Red Bull. The party has just started. Max is only 25. This is going to be a serious monster mash of a career. I just hope Mr. Rogers' Honda comes back officially and pile more resources so Max has a car that Lewis and Shumi had for many years. There will be no stopping for stopping, which has become a very common phrase now. The scary part of the competition, if there is any, Max could be sitting on 50 wins by the end of next season, and as Mr. Murray Walker would say, it's incredible. As much as we would like to see competition, sometimes you just have to suck it up and enjoy an amazing talent that comes once in a blue moon. We have to agree, this is a very special talent here. This is not something you order from Amazon Prime. What say you? Well, I agree. I mean, we're witnessing the changing of the guard, and we've seen this before. Not a big surprise, but we are uh, pleased to see very, very uber talent. Well, let me put it this way. Most people see uber, uber talent unless you have a British passport. Then you see something completely different. But this happens once the rose-colored glasses are issued to the populi. Everybody's going to see the same thing. If you don't include Michael Schumacher among the top 10 greatest drivers of all time, then there is an issue. But we have to move on and do a quickie on Collie. Max on pole means 11 different drivers have started from pole position in the last 11 races in Ciudad de Mexico, meaning Mexico City. And the circuit is the third shortest in Formula 1 behind Monaco and Hungaro Ring. Mr. Rogers, I don't know about you, the stadium uh, section is very impressive. They've done a great job and jam-packed, very, very impressive. But man, just outside that is the road that used to be known as the Old Peraltada. Now that was a machismo corner like Parabolica, and forever it will be remembered for that R. Nige pass on Gerhard Berger. Do you miss that fast uh, corner, sir? Or do you like the stadium, baseball stadium section? I do like the baseball stadium section. I like all of it. I do miss the hot chicane from the day, but we've lost a lot of these wonderful curves in Formula One in a lot of circuits because everybody wants to be safe, 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 safe. But I thought this was a great, great, I mean, the women dressed up in those feathers and they were wiggling and giggling. I thought that was awesome, representing, you know, the Aztec culture. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I mean, there was, it could have been a more exciting race, but for me, the pre-race stuff was great. I mean, I watched the pre-race, and I'm sure you watched the pre-race, and I'm telling you, I was watching it, and it was great. You know, you had the Rodriguez brothers, and there are other Mexican drivers that have, have accomplished a few things, and of course, Checo, Checo, ole, ole, ole was awesome. But then all of a sudden, out of the blue, on the pre-race, we had LCH and Nelson Mandela. And I'm telling you, I got lost. I'm going, is LCH one-third Mexican? And they just tell us now? So the coverage was bizarre, very British, but it is what it is, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. Well, you know, it's uh, the era of PCness going out of control uh, bringing anybody, everybody into a motor race. Uh, do a lot of things and in between there will be a race. But, you know, be happy we have a Formula One race. So that's good. And you're right. The pre-race ceremonies were very colorful, very nice flavor of the land where the race was taking place. So I, I enjoyed it very much. And the track uh, has been given a contract extension for a few more years. So, uh, and you know, while we are talking of the baseball section, uh, stadium section. That's where I went and sat with uh, our friend and listener, Mr. Eduardo. And if he's listening, hola to him and hope he was there. And Mr. Rogers, uh, I am uh, my friend, Mr. Nygaard from Grand Prix Photo, was telling me in Texas 
that you can take the uh, train to the station and there's quite a bit of walking involved. But I went to Mexico City some years ago. I really enjoyed the place. I am thinking of going to the race uh, next year. And we'll, we'll see how, it's, how it works out. Okay, sir, back to the collie. Mercedes were looking very quick and outqualified the second Red Bull and the local rider, the hombre you just mentioned, Chaco. George outpacing LCH by a Chihuahua whisker. Carlito was faster than Leclerc and qualified fifth, about half a second off the pace of Max Power. Now, in uh, Q, you know, Q practice, Q1, QT, the Q2 Mercedes were looking very good. But when I saw Max take the pole by 0.3 over Mercedes, I knew that for me was the result of the race. And no way on earth Ferrari is going to come back from being half a second slower to win a race when they are being constantly beaten when they start from pole position. But, you know, that's another story. Now, very impressive on row three was Valtteri Bottas in his Alfa Romeo Sauber. Good to see wingman flying so high on the grid in which what can only be described as a Piper Cherokee compared to his uh, previous cockpit. Sir, were you impressed by Bottas's qualifying efforts? Absolutely. As Bottas, you know, he's happier over there. He says it's more like a racing team instead of a mega factory. And, and I like that. I'm happy for him. A little Italiano, a little Swiss organization. It's got to be absolutely charming. And of course, he can always lean on his buttocks to cheer him up. Well, you know, lost in translation is when you say he said it's uh, it's not like a factory. The previous operation for him was a slaughterhouse. Chop, chop from teammate. These things happen. Just as Sergio and Pierre Gasly. Now, Prancing Horse went on a siesta during Q3. The way things are going... I think Max will have a bigger challenge for Mercedes than Ferrari next season. And our friend Dr. Miguel posted a nice photo of a Ferrari Formula 1 car in between some cars at a junkyard. And I note with interest, and I mentioned that at least it's on top of a Renault. So things have really gone downhill for uh, the red cars, which is sad because, you know, everybody who loves Formula 1 racing has some sort of a soft corner for Ferrari. We want to see them come back. Norris qualified 8 while his teammate Ricciardo did not make it to Q3. Row 5 featured the Alpine Aces, Machismo and Ocon. But I have to say, Mr. Rogers, the Alpine 5-year plan, L plan needs another 5-year L plan, this time without the Ombre. So anything else got caught your fancy in the Collie session, sir? Well, it was wonderful to see Bottas up there, as you said. It was a very tight qualifying between Mercedes and Red Bull. And, of course, you're correct. I believe next year Mercedes will be back in town. Toto, his Botox job on his lips and eyebrows will, will have work. And he'll be much more cheered up, filled with glee as they're back at the front of the spear next year. But, you know, I forgot to mention this, and I've been meaning to mention this and get your thoughts on it, but I find it so intriguing that Aston Martin went out of the way to hire one of our favorite text guys, and that's Pedro De La Rosa. Well, who's going there? <laughs> Gracias. Gracias. Gracias, muchacho. That's what I call two peas in a gazpacho. I mean, I thought it was the most hilarious thing, and I don't know why, but the media really didn't pick up on how much laughter that could provide with Pedro following El Machismo. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, the uh, one would think that Mercedes, all their problems, like with McLaren, everything was blamed on Honda, and then they get the Renault engine and no can go fast. And I was thinking that Mercedes, you cannot blame all the problems on the zero-sight concept because other teams that are using Mercedes engine, they're also going nowhere real fast. So I think the competition has caught up and moved ahead. When you throw in Machismo Max, then it will become very hard to... Uh, you know, we have 20 races so far. Between Max and Checo, they have won 16 races. 16 races by... Honda slash Red Bull powertrain. Uh, who else won? Ferrari won the other four races, I guess. 
So it's uh, I, I think they're basically Mercedes need to go back to the drawing board and come back with an engine that has more oomph and a side part that looks like a side part and maybe then they will win races. But it should be very exciting. Okay, now Mr. Rogers. Race started with Max on soft, Mercedes on medium. And I am thinking, I was first of all, I was surprised they did not, Mercedes did not do a split strategy because it's very hard to beat Max and the package he has in a normal fight. So that was the first surprise. Were you surprised Mercedes was starting on medium? I was surprised, but then I figured Toto is a pretty smart guy. I think he's probably smarter than me, especially when it comes to strategy. So I said, well, Toto's, he's going to throw everything at it. But you know what? I don't understand. And this always happens. But why doesn't Lewis go up to Toto before the race and say, hey, come over here. This is how we're going to do it. I'm going out on shafts, see? Yeah, see? Softs. No hards, no mediums. I don't know why that doesn't happen, but apparently there's just so much love. Well, this I have also wondered about this, but then it reminds me of a comment that Ron Dennis once made about, I don't know if it was about Ayrton Senna, but some, you know, they've always employed very successful drivers. The comment was, a similar issue came up, what you just described, and Ron Dennis's comment was, famous last words were, we are the employer, not the employee. So I think that's what it is. And I think if you're on the track and the team calls you, then you can be a rebel. But I think before the race, team basically dictates what you're going to do. But, you know, who knows what is, goes on behind the closed doors there. Okay, sir. Lap 18, Lance was the first to stop for fresh rubber. Lap 20, by lap 20, Ferrari drivers on soft tires could not get ahead of Russell on medium. So they were really having, I mean, the, the prancing horse was having difficulty in breathing in thin air. And Checo on soft tires could not get ahead of Omri ahead on medium, which was Mr. Hamilton. Now, were you surprised when they brought in Checo into the pits first? You know, I wasn't. I think they want, <laughs> believe it or not, Max gets the best treatment. We're talking first class, Emirates kind of first class quality. So I was, I don't know, I felt it too though, but I thought they wanted to bring in Sergio first just to make sure the damn pit crew was ready for some awesome pits. And second, it's good to experiment on number two because that's why we have a number two. Yes. Well, Max did come in two laps later and that made Lewis Carl Hamilton race leader. And here's the question of the day, Mr. Rogers. It is very hard to beat Max in the same car. Just ask any one of his teammates. How do you expect him to beat him when he starts on soft tires and you put LCH on mediums? And when Max changes to medium tires, you send out LCH on hard tires. For most of the race, he was on harder compound than Max. Now this strategy will work against Checo and it did, but this is not going to work against Max. Go! Now, Max has won eight of the last nine races, which is pretty impressive, and four of the last five races in Mexico, so he is now the most successful driver in Mexico. In fact, they are now calling the Mexico race <laughs> as Mexico. But you have to think about that. I mean, this guy's 25 years old. You're looking at the record books, and this guy's won Mexico four times. It's like LCH on steroids. Exactly. At 25... He has won more races in a season than Michael Schumacher. It's really insane. It is. It is out of control. And the sky is falling. Why need to get your take on this? Ted Kravis, dissed by Max and Mr. Horner, they were not happy by Ted's comment that Lewis was dropped of the 2021 title. I guess truth hurts because the thief who said, Toto, it's called a motor race is no longer in the FIA temple. Before I give my two pesos on this issue of uh, Max and Christian Horner not talking to Ted, uh, what say you? Well, t Ted has got to move on and let go, first of all. It's 2022. He's supposed to be an unbiased reporter on motorsports. But I know that can't happen. And when he found out that they changed the name of Sky Sports to LCH TV, he had to blurt it out. Just kidding, folks. Relax, please. 
But no, I thought it was comical. The, the funny part is, you know, Max, all he did was win because that's what Max does. He wins, 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 wins. It wasn't his fault. His not, it's not Max Massey. It's Max Verstappen. Give the kid a, a break. You know, he's only 25, dude. Well, you know, I agree. We all have to move on. But uh, my take on this, Mr. Rogers, is this. You know, on the grid, Michael Schumacher would not talk to anyone because he had a contract, exclusive contract with the Dutch, uh, Dutch with the German network, RTL or whatever that was. And they were paying him a pretty penny. But I think, you know, not talking to people like this or doing a Kimi Raikkonen type of answers. I mean, to each his own, uh, we can't force them to change. But I think it's a disservice when you're a public figure, a disservice to the fans. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if Ted Kravitz goes to Max each time he they talk and he brings up 2021. I don't think he does that. He may express his opinion, which did not go well in the Red Bull camp. But, you know, everybody has an opinion. There's, people shouldn't get too uh, defensive, especially in a public arena. The only saving grace from what happened in Abu Dhabi was, yeah, I, I agree Lewis was robbed, but championship was won by most deserving driver of 2021, even though Lewis was put in a position to win the last four races. And for all practical purposes, uh, he did that. Now, I better move on, otherwise they'll put something in my Red Bull energy drink. I mean, I just want to say... I, I agree, and I think Lewis Hamilton is handling it better than Ted Kravitz. I mean, he's moved on. He's always saying he doesn't live in the past, and I have a lot of respect for that. we got to move on. Now, Ted Kravitz is British, and he's probably a big LCH fan, and it blurted out. You notice that Martin Brundle doesn't make those kinds of silly mistakes. And I could tell when they did the Mandela and Lewis Hamilton thing... In Mexico, I, why, I have no idea. I think it would have been much more apropos in Brazil. But anyway, even after they faded to black and went to Martin Brundle to comment on the LCH piece, I could tell deep down he was a little uncomfortable. And he was probably going, what a bizarre moment to put this on. But I guess they had it in the can. They had to put it on. I'll just go back to the corner and shut the L up. There you go. And uh, you're right, you know, Lewis has uh, taken it very well, uh, at least publicly. But, you know, he did the right thing when he disappeared from social media for um, several months. Because, you know, this day and age, like I've said before, a common person like you and I, the moment you are, step out of the house, you're on camera, some secret camera, CCTV, everybody's watching. And when you're a public figure, you know, look what is going on with Nando making a comment that Max is more deserving. So these things get taken out of context and then slings and arrows are flying in every direction. So it's better for everybody to stick to motor racing. And maybe Massey was right. Michael Massey. Toto, it's called a motor race. We have to move on now. Okay, second was Lewis Hamilton. In a few years, Sir Winnelot will look at the 2022 season as the host of one of the oldest podcasts looks at 2007 season like it never happened. Two more opportunities to keep the winning streak alive. It can only happen if Max's, Max's package takes a dive. Oh, there is a Kablamo on the GP2 engine. Third, local boy Checo Sergio Perez. He fought a good fight for his hombres and chicas, but when it comes to going against his teammate or LCH, he is... Dan Quayle of driving, he's no JFK. What say you? Did you think Chipperas had a chance to win this race? Serious. Listen, I like Checo. He's a wonderful guy. No chance. Let's face it, folks. It's Max. Like you said, he's got to have a mechanical issue, an electronic issue, a software issue, because Max just goes fast. So it's pretty impressive, but you're right. Eventually, the numbers are going to stack up against Honda, and they will have a failure. It's a mechanical system. Failure is inevitable. Yes, there could be issues. Yeah, I mean, these things happen. And the more you win, the higher the chance become that you will not win. But I remember, you know, once upon a time, I was some years ago, I was watching a 
like a season review of the 1988 season and they were interviewing drivers at one of the pre-race uh, pre-season testing and professor of the Dela Pros is talking about his new teammate among the new challengers so he took some names and then he said well Senna is also very quick so you're right you know with Max as a teammate even Sergio Perez himself has said it is very hard to beat Max you know if a race winning driver is saying it's very hard you know how hard it is at least uh, chaco is in a race winning team now and has got some wins so that's good okay sir fourth quarto russell he started from the front row and saw his teammate sail by on the opening lap later he was not very happy with the team's tire choice and my, i i may be wrong i don't know if you agree with me i don't think any tire choice fit on Mercedes or Lewis or George Russell would have stopped uh, Max from winning Sunday. What say you? Not a chance. Max was on his own. He managed his tires and he adjust see he's always making adjustments. He's adjusting to what other people's tires are doing and he's making sure that he's above everybody else. Very impressive skills. A lot of unreported skills from Max that we still don't talk about. We thought we used to think about Jensen Button as a, a smooth operator. Well, you know, Max is is pretty good. Oh yeah. Okay, so uh, Russell also is definitely a r- winner waiting in the wings and I just have a feeling if a day comes when Mercedes are leading 1-2 and James Vowles calls him to be a good wingman because Fernando Hamilton is faster than you, I think boy George will become a big boy. and do to LCH what Rene Arnoux did to Alain Prost at Paul Ricard in 1982 in other words refused to act on team orders we have seen this movie before if mem- memory serves me right once upon a time max was told to give his position to his Toro Rosso teammate at that time Carlos Sainz Jr max's response was very be- brief and very firm no I expect some cage rattling at Mercedes sooner or later because I don't think George Russell has the CD in his collection with the song Ain't Misbehavin'. What say you, sir? Very true. Russell wants a success. He wants to succeed, and he does not want to become a number two because he knows what that label means. Forever number two, wherever you go. So he's he's fighting that right now. He's working on it. and it's been working so far he's doing it okay but now he needs to, he know he knows that his career especially if Lewis Hamilton signs another multi i mean he's talking about Mark Martin numbers and George is going to have to get down and get funky yes and you know at this time George Russell has more points than Lewis but speaking of uh, cage rattling at Mercedes once they get a real good winning car like they had some years ago question for you if they had a real head and shoulders above everybody pack package who do you think will become mercedes next world champion first lewis or george lewis hamilton he's got the experience he's got the machismoness not only that he's got that love it's an umbrella george has to work on that love he's got to get that love you don't just get it it takes time it takes nurturing it takes loving it takes hugging you'll see yeah and the and the big motivation for mr lewis hamilton is get ahead of the eight ball and i cannot wait for that mr rogers okay sir moving on cinco fifth science junior after two back to back dnfs at suzuka and kota carlito improved one position from his finish last year here in mexico and was fifth on sunday Six Charles Leclerc he said his race was very lonely they say it's lonely at the top he has not had that feeling since austria after five consecutive podium finishes prancing horses top jockey could only finish sixth last year was fifth in mexico he really looks like a not a beaten man but a man who has now accepted his fate there's nothing i can do how do you look at his situation right now Oh, it's very sad. Leclerc wanted success. He tasted it. He was fantasizing about it, and it fizzled away. Ferrari fizzled badly, and it was sad because the 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 season started everything towards Ferrari, and it faded away just as fast. It was it was a quick love at first sight, but then he realized she was a grandma. You know, um, I think 
and I hope I'm wrong, but I think what's going to happen if next season, the way things are going, you know Max and Red Bull are going to be very competitive. Okay, so that's right there. But if Mercedes can get a car that's more competitive uh, or has some advantage over the Ferrari, then I think what will happen is both Carlos Sainz Jr. and Charles Leclerc will end up like Fernando Alonso and Sebastian Vettel at Ferrari. I drove for the most famous team, most successful team, but I did not get a championship. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, because, you know, it, it's going to be very bad for Charles Leclerc if they don't have a competitive package uh, next year. He has a long-term contract with them. And after Mexico, Charles is third in the championship. Listen to this, Clark. 141 points behind Max. This is the same driver who had 41 points advantage over Max after round three of the 2022 season. No wonder he's so quiet now. Seven. This was the sweet story of the race. Daniel Ricciardo in seventh heaven on Sunday. It was good to see uh, soon-to-be XF on driver perform like we have known him to do. He was voted driver of the day by F1 fans. And he was looking very like the Danny Ricciardo we know from days gone by. Were you impressed by his performance? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was sort of interesting. It's like maybe there was a lot of uh, hot chiles in his uh, in-flight burrito. And he got a little motivated because, boy, like it was Ricciardo woke up from a long slumber. Yeah, it was kind of like uh, Jensen Button at Bar Honda for years and years, and then he gets into a brawn. Oh, Ross, I'm on pole. Ross, I just won the race and dusted everybody. But, you know, let's see what happens to him in the next two races. Obviously, he will be not driving, but I hope he gets a decent gig and see what happens. He's definitely not going to do the Indy 500 or the Oval at Iowa. So, but it it would be very good for IndyCar racing if they can get him for road races. You know, especially like races like St. Petersburg, Long Beach, Toronto, the high-profile road races. Absolutely. 11 races ago, where he finished 7. His teammate, Guan Yu Cho, was 13. And so going back to Charles Leclerc, Sunday was his 100th Grand Prix race. So congratulations to him for that. So, sir, now it's time for some... Corona or Tecate break, and then uh, we shall return. Thank you, Nasser. We'll be back after this brief bubbly message. Hi, um, hello, I'm Jean Lizy, and you are listening F1 Weekly. Welcome back to F1Weekly.com. Clark Rogers here, your host. And now, as we spin the globe and go around the world with Motorsports Mondial and the king, the Sultan himself, Nasser Hamid. Yes, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. And some happy news for you. Machismo reinstated in Austin. As they say in the song, the falling leaves drift by the window. The falling mirror drift by the Haas F1 team. FIA has reversed the penalty on Machismo and he gets his 7th place finish back in the US Grand Prix, which was very well earned. Highlighting the importance of following filing protests within the prescribed time, and not 24 minutes late, just because Gunther Steiner said we are not in a hurry to file a protest. The protest was valid, but they missed the deadline by 24 minutes, and Alpine caught it, and that's why you need good lawyers who will check anything and everything, and if they keep doing, they will find something. Okay, sir, you probably um, heard that Alpha will be turning into Audi. It's been officially confirmed. Uh, when Audi comes into Formula 1 for a few years. So here is a team that was Sauber, then it was uh, BMW, and then Alfa Romeo, and now they're going to be Audi. Well, the good thing is the Audi base is in Hinwil, Switzerland, which I understand is the German-speaking part of Switzerland, and Audi people are also what you call Flügel-Flügel. So I think there will be good chemistry there. And I do expect the Audi program to become uber successful in due course of time. And they may throw a lifeline to Mick Schumacher. Are you excited about Audi entry into Formula 1, sir? I love those four rings because you can see those four rings in um, cars from the 1920s, 30s, when they were known as Auto Union. What say you? 
I mean, it's okay. I'm not that excited about it. I mean, you know, I, I get excited about the drivers and the machismo-ness. Right now, it's just Sauber getting another engine deal. I mean, how many how many times have we gone through this before? So, we'll see what happens. I'm very reserved about the whole thing, and we will see. Now, don't get me wrong. Audi comes in. They're pretty big. I mean, look what they did at Le Mans. So, they think they're tough, and a lot of people think they can go from Le Mans to Formula One and start dominating. Well, let me... Let me just say one thing. Ask Toyota. No, Toyota was operating from far away and they were running it more like a, a marketing program. You know, I'll tell you, when you put a man in charge of a Formula One team who is like a marketing executive for a major corporation, that right there is the first problem. And when you have a situation where your chief engineer is flying across the channel to work every day, that's the second problem. And third, when you can pay $5 million and get a pretty decent driver, but no, you're going to pay $25 million to get the Schumacher name, but have Schumacher, then that's the third problem. Audi is a German company. Motorsports is in the DNA from 100 years. And you know, they were not only very successful in uh, sports car racing, they wrote the book... Uh, Turned everybody upside down with the Audi Quattro in uh, World Rally Championship. And your lady from Francia, Miss Michelle Mouton, came very close to winning the World Championship with Audi four-wheel drive. So I'm very excited. I hope Porsche also comes in. And speaking of Toyota, it'll be very nice for them to come back too. Uh, we need more and more what you call competition. Okay, sir. Now some sad news. Dasvidaniya from Russian Rocket, the Sputnik that was Sergei Sorotkin. He is saying no mass to motor racing and has announced his uh, retirement. This was a real heartbreaker for me. You know, we don't have Petrov, we don't have the, the torpedo, and now we don't. Well, now we're not going to have Sputnik. Um, how did you take that news, sir? Oh, I took it just fine. Okay, sir. My source, Mr. Nigar, tells me that Chinese Grand Prix is going to be chop chop from the F1 calendar next season and will not be replaced by a race in Congo or Angola. Talk about destination countries. Are you going to miss the Chinese Grand Prix, sir? Not a chance. Well, it's good to have uh, a race in China, the most populous nation on earth, and Formula, Formula One is global, so it should have footprint in major countries. But, you know, I'm not a big... Maybe the tra I've never seen the track, never been to China. But that track does not excite me like a Spa, Suzuka, or Austin, or Interlagos. I mean, even the street circuits like Montreal and Albert Park. I mean, you look forward to these races. You know what I'm talking about? So, I'm not going to miss the race, but I hope uh, they can find a better track. And speaking of the track, which was designed by Herman the German Tilke... Tilke has now arrived in Tennessee. Apparently, they are building a massive uh, motorsports facility there, and it's designed by Herman Tilke. So, let's see what happens there. They probably will not get a Formula One race, but they can invite sports cars and Indy cars, and I think that's what their uh, agenda is. Next, sir, Porsche prowling around for a partner. After being told by Red Bull, we can still be friends. The German sports car manufacturer is making approaches to other teams willing to do F1 Tango with them. According to one rumor mill, Williams will agree to a 50% stake by Porsche. Now, there is a big connection here. Uh, this gentleman, uh, Jos Capito, who is German and was head of Volkswagen uh, sports program, motorsports program, he is now the commander-in-chief at Williams, so I will not be surprised if Porsche gets into Williams. Now, another source is saying Alpha Tauri is also a possibility. Then there is the Haas F1 going nowhere real fast with their Ferrari tie-up. According to Mario Andretti, his Bambino is moving forward full speed as if he already has permission to enter Formula 1. Despite Mario's Italian heritage, Michael is planning to go with Renault Power slash Alpine, but some are now linking his name to Porsche Power also. Since Renault slash Alpine have no footprint in the U.S. market, Andretti Porsche partnership will be Das win-win situation for both parties. Sir, would you like to see who would you like to see 
Porsche partnered up with. I think they should start from scratch and build their own team. You know, they did that at IndyCar Racing. It was a complete DOS disaster, even though they got a win with Teo Fabi. I think they should hook up with a well-established team like a Williams or a McLaren. They powered McLaren to championships in the past, so that could be a good way to go. But we need more and more name, big name, Porsche, Audi, Toyota. That'll be good for the sport. Okay, sir, talking of sports car racing, the new Ferrari has been unveiled. 499P, which will mark Scuderia's return to top level of sports car racing. Beautiful looking car, which will make its racing debut in March at Sebring 1000, which is only 90 minutes from Tampa, the wonders of living in Florida. With the orange crush going on in Formula 1 these days, it's only appropriate that we have a GP race in the orange state. Sir, have you seen the picture of that Ferrari? Beautiful paint scheme also. Yes, similar paint scheme to the original from 50 years ago. So they were doing a wonderful homage to the long time awaiting for their new sports car. But yes, very exciting. Hypercar looks bad to the bone. You know, it's a high-profile program and they will be at Le Mans. I am very surprised they did not announce any drivers. But there was a statement from the team that they will pick up drivers from their Ferrari GT Academy, whatever. They, you know, who knows, Physico might be part of that program. Hi, I'm Giancarlo Fisichella, and you are listening F1 Weekly. Well, it would be nice if uh, they hired one of the young American kids, like uh, this guy, um, Oliver Askew. There's a kid here by the name Spencer Piggott, who's a very good talent. So that will be good. Okay, sir, now we come to Historia de Formula Uno. Mexicana, History of the Mexican Grand Prix. May I have your express written taquito consent to move forward? Well, as Pedro would say, bing! Oh, yes. Thank you, sir. Okay, once upon a time in 1962, this is very fascinating. There was a non-championship Formula One race at Parco Magdalena, Mexico, where the Mexico City circuit is located. Roger Penske was in this race as a driver. Tragedy struck in practice when a high-speed crash in the fast Peraltada corner claimed the life of young local driver Ricardo Rodriguez, who died in the arms of his older brother Pedro. Jim Clark won the race after taking over the car of Trevor Taylor. Roger Penske qualified sixth, but retired his Lotus with gearbox issue. RP has always been a big corporate man. His car was entered by DuPont Team ZX. The inaugural championship Grand Prix in Mexico in 1963 was won by, once again, rinse and repeat, Jim Clark and Lotus. 1964, long before Senna and Pross at Suzuka, and long before Massey at Yas Marina, there was the season finale controversy in Mexico City. Italian Lorenzo Bendini tangled with Graham Hill, which helped his Ferrari teammate John Surtees to second place in the race and first place in the championship, becoming and remaining to this day only man to win world championship on two on four wheels. The race was won by Dan Gurney in Abrabham. The 1965 Mexican Grand Prix was very historical. It saw maiden win for the driver, the team and tire company in Formula 1. Driver was Richie Ginther from Southern California. Team was Honda from Tokyo. Tire manufacturer was Goodyear from Akron, Ohio. This would remain Ginther's only F1 victory. Goodyear went on to dominate Grand Prix racing for many years. And Honda, they are on the In-N-Out Burger program, hot and sizzling as per their whims and wishes. Honda used to provide engines in Formula 2, and these days they got the beat with go-go, Max. They never raced in GP2, but reference has been made, and that was Pinata Pop of the Day on a Tijuana taxi. Pomp pomp. Now we come into the 70s, sir. The 1970 Mexican Grand Prix was a disaster for the organizers due to crowd control. Pedro Rodriguez had to make a plea for the fans to move away from the track uh, so the race can take place. And you should see some of the pictures from this race. Unbelievable. Cars flying by and guys are just sitting on the 
edge of the track, unbelievable. No, no guardrails, nothing. 1986, first win for Benetton, courtesy of Gerhard Berger. The same driver would give the team the final win in 1986. I think this is a very, very rare combo. A team wins a race, first race and the final race with the same driver. And of course, some years ago, Sebastian Vettel went ballistic on Charlie Whiting, which was really, really a surprise for me that he was doing that and not a Corona moment in his career. Pedro Rodriguez and Checo Perez are the only uh, two t uh, Grand Prix winners from uh, south of the border. And Pedro Rodriguez uh, came from Mexico City. Checo is from Guadalajara. And our amigo Esteban Gutierrez raced for Sauber and Haas. His junior series career was far more impressive and successful than Sergio's, but Checo has turned the table at the top level. When all is said and done about the Mexican Grand Prix, one thing will always stand out. The mega machismo pass on Gerhard Berger on the outside going into Peraltada at full speed by Il Leone, Nigel Mansell. And I remember asking Ma uh, Nigel if uh, Gerhard Berger said anything to him after the race and he said he could not believe somebody would, so st would be so stupid to try such a high risky move at such high speed. But that's Il Leone. And so there are a couple of other very famous uh, Mexican motorsports event. Uh, one of one is the Baja 1000, which still goes on, and there was a very famous race, Carrera Pan America, which is long gone, but now they do a historical Carrera Pan America, so that's all good. Sir, shall we move on to Musical Mondial? Absolutely, sir. And of course, I've had a lot of friends do the Carrera Pan America historical race which is quite machismo in itself. And maybe we'll see Fernando with his co-driver LCH in the future doing historical racing and showing everybody how loving their relationship really is. Yes, that will be very good. Gee, I wondered if they would be driving a McLaren. Very possible. Okay, sir, uh, today's uh, musical mondial is from south of the border. And this, I am told that this is the most covered songs of the Spanish uh, language. Okay. And what is so incredible, this is a very, very famous song covered by Beatles, Nat King Cole, and Chairman of the Board, Frank Sinatra, and many other people and bands, groups, including the Ventures. And the song was written by a 16-year-old Mexican girl. And she passed away some years ago by the name of Miss Consuelo Velasquez. Anybody who knows anything about music would know her big song was Besame Mucho. And to please Mr. Rogers, because the bonus season is here, we're going to play a French version from Miss Dalida. Thank you for listening and please enjoy. Besame, besame mucho. Good night. Besame. Bésame mucho Si dans un autre pays ça veut dire
Autodromo Nazionale di Monza Thank you. 